Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Well, hi, Bill. Great to talk to you again this week. Yeah, back for another return engagement. Yes, absolutely. And we have some interesting news to talk about with the new Biden administration COVID plan. I thought that would be a good topic for our audience today. As you know, the Biden administration unveiled a new strategy to combat COVID-19. Yeah, it was a big part. And it's ironic because I'm actually sitting in Washington, D.C. The American Clinical Laboratory Association board meeting is this week, so I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. And I ran past the White House this morning. So oh, wow. But <laughs> um, healthcare was actually a pretty substantive part of his State of the Union address last week, and in particular, a focus on COVID. He noted with the fallen case numbers as we, uh, you know, we're on the back end of the Omicron surge here, thankfully, for most of the country. And it's time to start thinking and looking ahead. So he provided highlights, but it's actually a 96-page plan, I think, from the White House COVID Task Force. It has a number of elements to it. Some of the important ones are the test and treat, that if individuals test positive at a pharmacy, they can actually get an oral anti-COVID medication right then and there to start treatment early. I think that's one of the things. Contact tracing with continued surveillance for emerging variants and trying to get on top of those earlier is another part of it. And then some really interesting aspects as well. Uh, one is on really the mental health of physicians and providers as part of that as well. There's an unfortunate, there's a bill which carries the name of an individual an ER physician who actually unfortunately took her own life, I think in 2021. Mm-hmm. So there's that part of it. And then also a focus on long COVID, which I think is another thing we're going to have to really keep our ear to the ground on or an eye on mm-hmm. here as we come through this is that there are a number of individuals still who are suffering with long COVID and really need to understand that a lot of research happening at Mayo with Ravi Ganesh and Ryan Hurd and really across the country. I managed actually to meet Diana Barron this weekend, the founder of the Survivor Corps, the patient long COVID group. So lots and lots of things and lots of money, $22 billion it's going to go to Congress for requests. Of course, part of that is for the labs. We do have to have another increase in testing to get away from this ebb and flow and trying to get some kind mm-hmm. of standing infrastructure. So lots there. Yeah, I think it's important to plan, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, this will probably be just one of many. It's already been one of many outbreaks. Hopefully none of them come to the level of being a pandemic, but we're going to see more viruses, more things that can threaten the global health of the population. So it sounds like we're really starting to lay the plan, the strategy for preparing for future pandemics and addressing the current pandemic as well. Yeah, I think that's right. And the thing is really twofold. Number one, we hope we're out of the woods, getting out of the woods with COVID, Mm -hmm. but we can't be 100% confident. So we need some resiliency built in there. And then to your point, there's going to be a continued dialogue on investing in public health infrastructure. I think that's one of the things that COVID taught us is that we really were probably underinvested in public health infrastructure. I know it's something that you have been part of the conversations for a long time with the concerns around Zika virus mm-hmm. uh, and Ebola virus and Ebola, were we prepared, yeah. you know, and, and she, it turns out we probably weren't. So I think that's something we're going to have to continue to, to talk about and plan for, which will be tough because a lot of people just want to put COVID in the rear view and just get on with their lives. 
Well, you know, after every emergency or event, it's always good to have a touch base to kind of talk about what went well and what were the opportunities for doing better next time. So it's good to see that the government is doing that, the administration, and of course, we're doing that at Mayo. We're also planning on discussing, you know, what were the successes, and I think we're in a much stronger place than we were before. We've certainly set up a lot of new ways to communicate with one another, including this podcast. So we have ways to communicate with the public about things as they happen now, and and some of those weren't existing before. Yeah, and I think there's people have just more of an awareness Again, yeah. the fact that Biden's address did focus so much on healthcare, how important this really is for all of us. Just like the focus on well-being. I mean, as a mm-hmm. society, too, we have to focus on really maintaining our well-being. I do think that a couple of things, though, to keep an eye, to keep in mind, really, I guess, in looking at his address. Number one is we're getting through this, but healthcare, our profession is, has suffered, uh, suffered maybe too strong a war, but really has been a trying time for the last couple of years. And we really need to mm-hmm. take care of each other, take care of the people in our profession, make sure that the resources are available for people that come to us for help and for ourselves to make sure that we have the kind of uh, resiliency coming out of this that we need to go forward. And the other is there is an emphasis in the president's address on vaccination, particularly across the globe. One could argue that from a global perspective, we have the luxury of being able to look past, whereas in many parts of the world, 5% or 10% of them have been vaccinated, which is still a concern for all of us in terms of emerging variants and and not to mention equity. So Mm -hmm. yeah, lots of work still to be done for all of us. Yeah, I agree completely. We were just hearing about bird flu uh, showing up in uh, the Dakotas, and we're going to continue to face these global threats. And if any of us are not safe in the planet, then that means the entire world has that same risk. Yeah, for us, I think when you bring up bird flu, the other thing is this is going to be in the press for a while in terms Mm of, I saw the bird flu story that started to come out. I think it was actually first started in the Midwest, like in Indiana, potentially or Kentucky. Anyways, these are going to be more, get a lot more attention now because we're yeah. so sensitized to this. So I think that's part of our job is to maintain the kind of the public dialogue about what your level of concern be or not be. You know, we want people to be cautious, but at the same point in time, we don't want to live in fear. We got to understand that we can manage these things. Well, I think that plays to what we've said before, that we as laboratorians, pathologists, we need to be talking to the public and playing a role and be at the table for all of these big healthcare, public health events. We have valuable information that we need to contribute to help everyone understand, for example, what is the role of testing? How big of a deal is this? Because sometimes things get blown out of proportion. Other times uh, things are underplayed and and they really need to be brought up as an important health topic. Yep. It goes full circle because I, you know, my job in the laboratory and as pathologists is not to just run tests or provide interpretations. It's to really help patients and providers understand Mm -hmm. how the information should be used. In the age of big data, uh, like I've said before, 80% or so of the the data in anyone's health record comes from the lab. So we have to really embrace that Mm -hmm. challenge to help people understand it. So yep. Lots to do. Well, thanks, Bill. This was a brief discussion on this, um, and we'll just keep talking about this and, and other great topics. And you'll have to give us an update on how things are in Washington and maybe what's going on in the national stage in a future session. That sounds good. Ned. No, no point slowing our roll now. We got the podcast thing going, so let's keep it up. Absolutely. Well, have a great week. You too.
Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.